What's up, queens and royals? I'm your host, Angel, and you are listening to Awakened Love, a podcast on sex, love, and awakening. And these are the conversations to evoke the wise, wild, woke one within you. Let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened humans? Today, we have Alexandria Maria, a business mentor who focuses on soulful success, manifestation, and business strategy. She's the host of Soul Yes, the podcast, and I am so grateful to have her here today. Welcome, Queen. Thank you so much for having me here. It's such an honor to be asked. Yeah. So let's dive right in. I'm curious for those listening who might not understand the distinction or want some clarification, what would you say the difference is between a business every day and a soulful business? For me, I think it it really links to kind of the success element of it. So what we deem a business to be a success. So I think traditionally we saw a business to be a success very much based on profit, based on kind of accolade, um, based on very basic metrics, really, when you think about it, very ego driven often and quite masculine as well in terms of the energy, you know, really an energy of sacrifice and work hard and push on and and keep going. Whereas I think a soulful business aims for a more soulful version of success. So really creating positive impact in in what it's creating. Wealth creation, yes, but the way that that abundance is used and shared is, is very different. The energy around it is very different. You know, working in harmony with you as a human being, not kind of just driving you, driving you, driving you until you're, you're burning out and you're, you feel barren and broken, really feeling sent, filled with that sense of purpose as well. So, you know, you feel really lit up by the work that you're doing you believe in the work that you're doing which you know can sound quite obvious but I certainly had a job previously that I didn't particularly believe in and I think unfortunately that is the case for many people they do work that they don't necessarily love or or believe in or feel a sense of purpose from so I think it's a lot about kind of the way that you measure success within that business and then therefore the approach to your business completely changes It's much more harmonious, embodied, holistic, rather than just kind of focusing on these really kind of very basic metrics, really. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. You you touched on it a little bit there, and I'm curious about your journey. Like, how did you even discover what is soulful business? How did you discover that you wanted to start um, serving this sector as your purpose? Like, what was that journey like from being in a business that I think you said you just didn't feel connected to? to now? I mean, it was basically uncovering what being a non-soulful business was like, (laughs) and then um, the impact of that. So, you know, I very much followed the journey of study hard, get good grades. Um, You know, I got a degree, then I went and got business masters, um, applied to all these graduate schemes in the city, got selected, went in, had a great job, traveled the world, you know, all these, all these ticking of these boxes that we had been. And this is why I guess I'm so focused on this idea of success because outwardly I was successful. I had achieved what an adult human being should achieve. But, you know, I was in this job. I was, I was an insurance broker previously and I was very, very fortunate. You know, we did get treated incredibly well in terms of we were taken for amazing lunches and travel and, and things like this. But 
I just felt barren and broken on the inside. I just felt no sense of purpose with what I was doing. But I think, again, like many of us, I just kept going on. I thought, no, it's fine. You know, this is what being an adult is about. That was the narrative that I had in my head. I was like, I am just not a good adult right now, but I will learn to be an adult. (laughs) I will learn to like want to go to an office Mm. every day and sit at my desk and it will just, something's going to kick in at some point. (laughs) So I kept really sweeping house, feeling under the rug, just like, it's all good. I've got this. Um, until I had a complete breakdown, which is often the way when we're just kind of masking how we're feeling all the time. And it was quite strange. Actually, I was on the train back to London. I'd been visiting my parents who live, it's actually where we are now in this massive field covered, filled with nature. It's really beautiful. I think my nervous system had just like relaxed for the first time in a while and getting back on the train to London, it was like, I can't do this. And I just started to cry and I could not stop crying. And this carried on for about three days before I, I reached out for help. And I realized like, you know, I can't carry on living like this. I'm, I'm so far out of alignment. And I would love to say that was like the moment that changed everything. But I left, I started my own business. I put myself in the same position again. I overworked, I got really burnt out. And it was really through learning the hard way, not just once, but multiple times that I was like, I have to do this <laughs> differently. There has to be another way. And I want to make sure I can do it so not just I can have a better life, but other women can have a better quality of life. What's up, beautiful beings? If we're not yet friends on Instagram, then we should be. Come on over, Angelica Alana, A-N-G-E-L-I-K-A. A-L-A-N-A. Lots of A's. It's the best place where we can connect more deeply if you're interested in connecting with my work, my group coaching programs, maybe having a one-to-one session. Or if you want to take my new free quiz to discover which is the dominant goddess archetype that you play into or experience in your love and sex life. It's a lot of fun. I've never seen this put together in this way anywhere else in the world. And I've found it to be such a rich source of information and a great framework for evolution in my work. I've been trying and testing this out. And women have been having wild breakthroughs, realizing these ancient archetypal outlines that they may have been playing into uh, in their sex and love life. And once we see it, then we can learn to expand beyond it. So if you're interested in taking that quiz, the easiest way to do it is to come on over to Instagram, find me at Angelica Alana, Angelica with a K, and then click that link tree in the bio, and you're going to be able to find the free quiz there. I can't wait to connect with you more deeply there. Yeah, I hear that. I think it's, um, I was like doing a knowing smile because, you know, my area of expertise is supporting new coaches, but also love, mm-hmm. sex and relationships. And that has been my dojo. Like I have failed in that arena again and again and again to the point where it's driven me to study and learn and experience and embody the kind of way through, way out. So I just was smiling and knowing smile and thinking, yeah, that sounds like someone who's going <laughs> to teach or lead in this sector. You usually need to like fail a couple of times, you know, in a diff- few different ways. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading a book the other day, I can't remember what book it was now, but it was saying something like, you know, we teach the tools that we need the most. And it's, oh, it's yeah. so true. <laughs> Oh, yes. Because I've always loved love, but I just couldn't get my shit together. I couldn't figure it out. I was speaking to my brother on the phone yesterday and we were talking about 
relationships and just I just don't know how people do it without learning something or gaining some support otherwise we're just slinging our shit at each other but business is really the same as well right like if if we aren't taught or we don't gain support much like you're sharing we're given this manual of success quote unquote as you were talking about and then most people climb to the top of that ladder fucking exhausted and think this is not where I parked my car. Like, this is not where I wanted to be. What the hell? Like, I want my money back. I want my life back. So if people are listening and they're feeling a bit like that, like, let's say, I mean, I loved the word you used, barren. It's like, I felt that in my like womb space, my heart space, just like dry on the inside. And I was like, whoa, that's a good word for that. People are feeling barren and broken, as you say, and they're just, but they're not really sure. Maybe they haven't had their quote unquote big idea yet. They haven't, they're not sure what their next move is, but they are sure that what they're doing now isn't feeling good. What would you suggest? Uh, the thing that really, really helped, and it's, it's quite interesting because I didn't fully know what I was doing looking back. I was just kind of like trying to navigate my way out of this. But I, when kind of putting the pieces together now, I realized that I really reconnected to all the parts of me that I tucked away. So I remember not the first week after my breakdown, I was just in a room, basically was my own thoughts for the first week, which was a lesson in itself. But the kind of the second week, I remember I picked up a, a paintbrush and it was the first time that I painted in years. But one of the things that I used to love the most ever since I was young was painting and creating. You know, I'm a real creator at heart. And I picked up a paintbrush again and it just felt like I was switching the lights back on in all these areas that I just ignored and neglected for so many years. And the more I started to reconnect to myself and my true self and my true passions and my true desires, the way I see it is like they came back into color. And mm. from that place it became easier to kind of follow the breadcrumbs and put pieces together. I was so disconnected. I'd lost so much of myself. Oh my gosh. I was literally just having this conversation yesterday with a client. And I think I love that level of synchronicity talking about how creating just for the sake of creation is such a spiritual practice because we live in this extractive culture that teaches us to essentially take everything, squeeze everything out of it. If we have one ounce of like, oh, I have this hobby. Okay, well now it's got to become a business and I've got to like milk it for money. And there's like extraction, 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 and it like strangles our channel. It strangles our inspiration. So I love that you said that this idea of just getting back in touch with the creator inside each of us, not to try and do anything or make anything or earn anything necessarily at first, but just to like, yeah, I think he said, you know, be in touch with your true self. So, so powerful. Uh, how does that play in? Because I think what I see is an archetype in community, not so much anymore, but I, I think it's still definitely around is this, instead of it being a starving artist, it's like the starving spiritual seeker or spiritual teacher, mm-hmm. which is uh, interesting. And I think it has something to do with that desire to be soulful and aligned, but then they create this kind of aversion, which is low key and attachment to money, mm-hmm. like this weird guilt greed relationship with money. Um, could you speak a little bit to being a soulful being, running a soulful business, but also having a soulful relationship to money that allows that to flow both ways? Yeah, completely. So the first thing that I have to say on that is the more soulful, spiritual, amazing people who hold abundance and wealth, the better, because the more amazing things we can do with that money. You know, I think it's, really incredible if we really start to change the way that wealth is distributed i think we could make the world a much much better place um 
Yeah, that's the first thing I'd always say, and particularly as women as well. Like, you know, there there is still a massive disparity between men and women. So just even women holding wealth is just something that we really need to recreate the balance of. So, yeah, I think making money not spiritual is actually like us attaching our own stories to it because money itself is neither good nor bad. Now, people, you know, saying that money isn't spiritual is actually often attaching their own stories to money because money is neither good nor bad. Now, the way people spend money, you might deem good good or bad, but money itself is not evil. Money is just an energy. And really one of the biggest switches for me, because I've had to do so much work on my money mindset, is seeing more money as an energy exchange rather than seeing it as this thing that we attach all these stories to and just really stripping away that idea that money in itself is inherently evil because it it's not and this links back again to you know what I started by saying is the more people who hold wealth who want to use that wealth in a really powerful impactful way and you know quote unquote for good the better so yeah I think we need to break up with this story that earning money and creating wealth is not spiritual. I love that. Let's break up with that story for sure. Anyone, have you read the book Money is Love by Barbara Wilder? Oh no, I haven't, but I'm going to, I'm literally writing that down now. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's a short read. And for anyone listening, it kind of extrapolates on exactly what Alexandria is saying around money being energy and money being love. And, um, she gives a brief history of, of money, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I, I share a really similar sentiment. And I always say to my community, the more women and gender non-conforming people who are spiritual, that have influence, affluence, power, and wealth, the better. (laughs) So get to making that money, honey. Uh, I love that. Money mindset is such a huge thing. Are there other key shifts that happened for you that were really game changers? I think just really diving deep into my own money story and the beliefs that I was holding around it. I think it's really great. You know, limiting beliefs has kind of come to the forefront. I feel, I feel like a lot of people are aware now what limiting beliefs are and the impact they have on us. But I think we sometimes forget to apply it. Like I can imagine people don't think about applying it to love or relationships and things like this. And it's the same with money, you know, really actually looking at what those specific limiting beliefs are when it comes to money that you have. And, you know, there's, there's so many, and I continue to work through them, you know, even, I'm all about like, you know, making these big leaps, not following like a linear like timeline in terms of what you're creating, but even still in terms of money within my own business, there are many times where I'm like, well, you know, we grow month on month rather than it being like, how can we boldly leap to the next level and things like this. So just being really aware of those stories, all those stories that you picked up um, when you were younger from, you know, those around you and just really, again, I'm going to say breaking up, but breaking up with them and and recreating beliefs that feel empowering, that feel good around money. You know, money can feel good. I was scared of money. I, I was that person that would not look at my bank account because I was like, I don't want to see how little money is in there. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. And you know, money, money is another relationship in your life. Like, you know, if you're with a partner and you're like, I don't want to look at you, like how loved is your partner going to feel? Like how much time is your partner going to want to spend time with you? So money is kind of the same. Like you got to spend time with it. You got to get to know it. You got to feel good around it. That You can welcome more abundance in. 
Mm, so true. I think it was Aubrey Marcus that was talking about once in one of his newsletters this idea that um, same similar to what you're saying that money is neither good nor bad, but if we believe that it's inherently evil, of course we're not going to attract more of it. Of course we're not going to call more of it into our life. And in that Money is Love book, Barbara talks about this guilt-greed cycle that happens that I've actually mm-hmm. applied to love and sex, that I see it's the same kind of malware in our consciousness. It's like, I really, really want it, but I shouldn't have it and I can't have it because it's inherently bad, shameful, wrong, evil, but I really, really need it and I really, really want it. It's like guilt, greed, guilt, push, pull. It's like a toxic relationship. That's why I really like the idea of like breaking up and really seeing it. It's very tantric. It's like everything is our relationship to it. You've talked a little bit about like making those leaps. And I think for people, it might seem, you know, abstract of like, oh, do our beliefs, maybe not our listeners, but can our beliefs really affect these things? But I know for myself, it's like in my career, I've reached certain caps or patterns where I'll be like, why am I at X amount of clients? And I never get more than that. Mm. It's all, you know, and then you kind of check your money story or check whatever it is. I know one of my recent breakthroughs, and I shared this with a good girlfriend of mine, Rachel Pringle, those listening, you guys know. And we were talking about this idea of like, I was saying, I think the next block to my own abundance and leveling up my business is there's a fear of responsibility. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't, that's like a lot of responsibility. I didn't realize that story was running undercover and that therefore that part of me was going to sabotage any further expansion and keep me safe and sane. Like, I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm cruising. I don't need to grow anymore. That's a lot of responsibility up there being like playing with the big dogs. And so, yeah, when we can actually identify, as you're saying, these stories, we can see the parts of us that are holding us back and sabotaging us because, as you said, we're afraid of money or we're afraid of success. I always say to clients that starting a business is like a spiritual path and everything you're saying seems to line up with that. Do you believe that? And can you speak a little to that if you do or don't? Yeah. I mean, just going back on what you said as well about the responsibility thing, because I was doing the knowing smile there as well. I was like, (laughs) I massively had that. Like, I love feeling free. Like, freedom is such a core value for me. And the idea of like all this responsibility. But when I dived into that, I didn't trust myself because I was like, I'm not actually trusting myself to be able to hold that space or to like navigate the unknown and like, you know, manage a team or like all these other elements. It was all this, yeah, lack of self-trust. So, and it, you know, completely links to what you're saying. I, it's really, it's really funny again, complete synchronicity because something that I always, always say is that business is the biggest healing journey you'll ever go on because any of that stuff that you think like, you've dealt with or that you can just get away with in life, you start a business, it's going to come all to the surface. If you're scared of being seen, if you're scared of responsibility, if you're scared of money or any of these things, like you, it will come to the surface and you have to, you have to deal with it in order to a kind of let your business progress, but just for you as well. Like when you see that stuff, it's very hard to unsee. And do you find, at least I find this again, it circles back. And I'm like, what? I thought I dealt with this. And my guides or my intuition is like, yeah, at that level you did. And now you leveled up. So now it's here. It's like, you're touching on those deeper parts of yourself. So yeah, for those listening as well, it's like, it's a it's a never ending journey. You're just going to keep finding more things to excavate. So you got to learn to love the process. And some of my biggest mentors and teachers who I would say, 
have really like are really rocking it in success as in yes the traditional ideas of success but soulful success as you've described it in the beginning and they are always sharing about how they're like yep you think you got it at one level and then you're asked as you were saying to make those quantum leaps and you get to feel in to what's there and you just gave me such a big code around that trust piece I was like ooh, yeah there's a part of me perhaps not fully uh, trusting that I will guard my time that I will create that spaciousness because previously I've also been in the burnout camp of like work, 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 suck it up, you know, all of that bullshit. So thank you for that code, sweet sister. See you guys <laughs> listening. I'm being coached right here, right now. It works, honey. <laughs> let's let's talk about sales. I know um, that's a big part of your work is helping people kind of come back into right relationship with that. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people find selling their services or products so icky and how can we elevate out of that? I think, again, I think we relate it back to the old, I talk a lot about kind of the old school style of selling. And I think we have these associations of it being very pushy, not actually focused on you and your needs, but just kind of on profit generating and like a very like greedy energy from the other side, which we can obviously feel into that doesn't feel good to be on the receiving end of. So then we come into the position to be selling and we have all these associations and, you know, again, like money, like if something doesn't feel good, we're going to feel really resistance to it. So if we have all these stories that we're being that irritating person right now, we're being that greedy, greedy, pushy bully, whoever it may be, then we're not going to want to do it. So And again, it was, you know, I hated selling. I would get off calls and cry. I'd be like, I hate doing this. This doesn't feel good. It's something that I have had to work so, so hard on to really do the work with. But I realized we can come into a much more soulful version of selling. And with that, it's not pushy. It's about supporting someone to make an aligned decision that supports their future self or helps them actually like open that door of opportunity that they've I, I think it's I can't remember her name now Lisa someone calls it like this door of opportunity that you kind of wedge open and you keep open which I really love because we know what it's like to be on that call with someone you feel that expansive energy and you're like I need more of this in my life oh my gosh I'm so ready to, to up level with this and I think again just you know recognizing that if you really want to be of service and and do that amazing work for someone you need to be taking them to a deeper level. And in order to do that, they need to commit to you and the process and you need to commit to them. So it really makes it more of that partnership feeling. You're more in a supportive role. It's not that kind of like pushing someone to make a decision that isn't in alignment for them. It's really helping them see like if they were actually coming from their higher self, how would they move forward? Mm, so so true do you feel like having a nest egg or savings is a big part of this so that people can feel because I feel like you know in my early early days as a coach let's say like the first three years I would say so eight years ago up until five years ago I I was flying by the seat of my pants (laughs) and so I would also really hate selling but I believed in the work that I did but I had all these money stories and I was I was in scarcity and that's totally impacted me whereas I think when you're in a position where you're not in scarcity and and you really as you say align decision not only for them like is this the right fit for them but also 
do I want to coach this person? And that's, I, I see that in relationships as well, like helping women shift out of scarcity. There's a lot of crossover between love and money, of course. I'm in my biased opinion, but that idea of, will they like me? Do they want me? Will they stay? And I'm always coaching women to say, do I like them? Do I want to be here? Will I stay? Do you feel like that does apply in your opinion to that? Yeah, I can totally get how it does because, you know, if you're thinking, okay, I need $500 to pay my rent this month, where's that coming from? And you're attaching it to the calls that you're having, then that energy is going to feed in. But, you know, they're going to feel that, you're going to feel that. It's not going to really feel like that that soulful process. I think if you can have a nest egg, it's amazing. But I did not have a nest egg. In fact, I had debt behind me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, wouldn't <laughs> lovely, but <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I literally had credit card debt, if anything, behind me and the dregs of my overdraft. Like, I didn't even mm. have like cash in my account. I had like left o- remaining overdraft. <laughs> so I so think- what do we do then? How do you, how do we soulful sell when we are actually in a pickle financially? I think that's tough. It's so tough. It's, but it's like manifestation. You know, how do you kind of like surrender? How do you kind of want something but let go? And it's, you know, it's one of the hardest things you can do in all honesty. But I think for me personally, it was removing that from the equation when I was going into those calls and it was coming back into a place of being of service rather than what's in it for me. Because when you're in it, going into it, what's in it for me? Yes, everyone feels that in the energy. Then you're going to the old school style of selling. Like it's more about greed. Whereas when you really reconnect to why you're on that call and why you want to work with that person, how much you want to help them transform their life, whatever element of their life that might be, when you let that take over, rather than the fear about the rent and let that fall fall behind. I think that's when you come back into that energy of abundance. And again, trust. I think just trusting that, you know, part of a kind of an abundance versus scarcity mindset is saying no. It's saying no to things that aren't in alignment. So trusting if this client is a no, that's okay because that's opening more space and more energy for me to welcome in something that is more aligned. And then you got to trust. And how hard is it to trust? Like, I'm not saying it's easy. But. I just got super excited when you said that because that was exactly what I was thinking about is that idea of saying no as an energetic tool. If you could, before those sales calls, just say to yourself, if this isn't a right fit for me, even though I might need to pay my rent, I'm going to say no because I'm all in on alignment. I'm not all in on greed. I think yeah. the energy of that is so, so powerful. I mean, we're kind of getting into this realm of like energetics and manifestation. And I know that this is a big part of the work that you do. I feel, I mean, it's pretty incredible over the last decade to watch this go from something that, you know, I would read in dusty books, secondhand, it's weird, witchy spiritual stores to now being like totally mainstream, which is incredible. I think it's a reflection of this mass awakening that many of my spiritual teachers predicted would happen and it is happening, right? So now that it's in the mass consciousness and people kind of have a basic idea of what it is, I think that there's a lot of A, misconceptions, but also stumbling blocks. So I'm wondering, are there like stumbling blocks that you see people kind of uh, hitting up against or resistant points? Uh, Is there a pattern there or some tips you could give? I think one um, actually stems from The Secret, which is obviously an incredible, incredible book, which is amazing. You know, it has brought it... I think it's really a key part bringing it into the into the mainstream, which is amazing. But and forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think the secret mentions action. 
So I feel like there's no real focus on it. I've never read The Secret. <laughs> it didn't seem like a, it didn't seem like a secret to me. <laughs> I, I, don't actually, I actually read it after I'd kind of been diving into manifestation already yeah. and like noticed the impact of my life. And I was like, I feel like I have to read The Secret. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Secret. Yeah. So I read the secret, but it doesn't really <laughs> mention action. It doesn't mention taking aligned action. So I think I think people literally just think they can sit on their meditation cushion, visualizing, and then like they'll ping, open their eyes, and they're like in this new reality. I don't think people quite literally believe that, but I think that's why they get frustrated with manifestation because they're just waiting for things to come into their life and. I think you still have to actively engage in your life. You have to be listening to, I was actually saying this to the women that I mentor in my, my startup program the other day, because I was saying, you know, I give you all the strategy that you need in this program. You have all the roadmap, you have all the, the kind of like the information that you need. We also do a lot of like the mindset and the manifestation stuff. But I was like, the thing that I can't give you is okay, occasionally I'll have like a download and I'll pass it on. But like, I can't be your intuition. I can't be that inner voice or your inner guidance. Like you have that, that is your superpower that's within you. You need to be listening. You need to be tuning in and you need to be taking action based on what they're whispering in for you. So I think that would probably be the thing that I see coming up the most, this idea, you know, people will be like, my manifestations aren't working. And then you know, we'll say, okay, well, what's some action you could take towards? And they'll be like, oh yeah, I, I thought about doing that. And then I just didn't do it. And it was like, that was your manifestation coming in. <laughs> that was them like, you know, laying the path for the manifestation to come into your life, but you didn't, you heard it and you ignored it. So yeah, I think listening to those whispers, but not just listening, but actually taking action on them would be kind of the key part that I think is often missed out. Mm, so good. And again, I'm so biased, but I'm seeing it's like the the romance version of the fairy tale waiting for the prince to come and sweep you off your feet and save you. It's that same malware in the human consciousness wrapped around a different subject of money. It's like, oh, manifestation, great. I'm just going to wait for it to fall into my lap. And if I don't, I'm going to use that as more evidence for why I'm unworthy, broken or defective. When in reality, what I'm hearing you say, and what I also believe to be true is like, our soul isn't here for the money. It's not here for the car. It's here to digest the karma and, and self-actualize. So it's going to create the carrot. Yeah, you want this vision, this thing that's so exciting to you. Great. Here it is. Now walk this path and digest the karma on the way to it and learn the lessons and evolve your soul because <laughs> that's what we're really here for. And so many of us, there's like bubblegum spirituality, which again, I'm not, I'm not mad about it. I'm like, put it on a bumper sticker. Cause even if you get into it for the wrong reason, you might bump into the right reason. Mm -hmm. But the issue is exactly what you're describing. It's like that same malware in the consciousness of humans of like waiting and feeling defective and broken and essentially feeling like our power is outside of us. That's the real jam. That's the real work. That's the real wealth. Right. And so it's like, yeah, if we, if we think we get to skip that part and skip our soul work, think, think again, maybe you do never seen it before, but who am I to know? Maybe you do get to skip your soul work. I love that. And I love exactly what you're saying. I like guess such a good example. We're waiting for the prince to show up and just like, right. We're all waiting to be rescued. I spent a lot of my life waiting to be rescued. And then I realized yeah. no one was coming. <laughs> so. It's you and you, boo-boo. <laughs> yeah, literally. So I yeah. love that. I think it's so true. Your inner voice, as you said, is coming and it's here and it's been speaking for a long time. Like that deep listening that's so underrated in our society. Uh, people ask me a lot about growing their audience and building 
a community. Do you have any soulful biz tips for that? The word that came through to me initially was be authentic. And it's so overspoken about that. I kind of hate bringing it up. I think it's so important now more than ever. I think, I think unfortunately there's a, a lot of lack of integrity actually coming through certain elements of the industry and being on the receiving end of that, the best way to identify it is to really feel into whoever you're working with and make sure that you you have that soul yes feeling. You're not just kind of like making a mental decision. You're like, well, I should do this because it seems to be right. They're saying all these things. Like I think actually feeling into it, but on the other side, in terms of growing your community, really making sure that you have that authentic communication with them and that you are showing that you are integrity, that you live and you embody all the principles that, that you're, you're speaking around. And I think the other tip there it would really be showing up well, you know, with a lot of startup businesses. And I know how scary it can be to put your face on Instagram or share a vulnerable story or do an Instagram live. Like I totally, totally get it. But if you think about it, and I, I sometimes do this example on Zoom and I'll turn my camera off and I will start typing in the chat box and being like, hi, I'm Alex, you should work with me. And I press send and I'm like, how connected do you feel to me right now? And they're like, mm, yeah, not that much. And then I kind of do it as well where I'll kind of um, be on but static and again, just write. And they're like, yeah, I feel a bit more connected to you. And then I'm like, hi, I'm Alex. Like, this is what I care about. And speaking kind of that live element on video. And they're like, yeah, that's like a real connection. I can see how you move, how you talk, how you interact, how you explain things. So I think just really making sure that you're allowing your audience to, to have that with you by, by showing up. And I know it can be really, really scary, but I think there's, you know, there's beautiful ways you can do it to find your own unique expression of that. I don't think it has to be a one size fits all cookie cutter, but I do think there needs to be some element of that connection with your audience. Mm, yeah, so powerful. And I think that authenticity is a classic for a reason, right? It's because it doesn't go out of style when someone's being authentic and you use the word vulnerable. I think that's also really important. A lot of new coaches I work with, they feel like they have to know it all. And I'm like, honey, you never will. <laughs> like, there are always going to be people that come to your page who will learn nothing from you because they're not, they're not your students. Maybe they're your teachers. And we're yeah. always going to be swapping role from teacher to student and teacher to student or, you know, service provider or product creator to consumer and purchaser. And like, there's a level of humility, I think, that we get to be in. You talked a little bit about feeling into that soulful yes. And something I've been talking about with clients lately around this is pedestaling. So like pedestaling a person and having that actually, I mean, again, in love and relationships, it's the same for a coach. It's the same. If we pedestal someone, it disconnects us from our own power. It disconnects us from our ability to make a powerful choice or an aligned choice about our relationship with this person. Have you had any experience with that, that idea of pedestaling? And do you have any words or tips or wisdom around that? I know he, I know he has a, a controversial following sometimes, but I really did love the title of the Netflix documentary on Tony Robbins that said, I am not your guru. It's such a good <laughs> film. I mean, really good. You can't, yeah. you can't deny that man is great at what he fucking does when you watch I that. Mean, also, I, oh, I wish I remembered what I was reading the other day. I, I read so much. Sometimes I can't remember where I've read things, but um, it, they were saying like, he was built for it. He's like, big he has a booming voice like that is definitely what he was like here to do but I really love the title I am not your guru because 
it really spoke to me because it made me realize that's what we do to people. You know, we put people on pedestals and we forget that they're human. So I think from our side of things, just remembering we are all human and, you know, there's a lot of debate going on around in the world right now. You know, the pandemic's happening. There's the speak talk around vaccinations. There's arguments on both sides. And I think just recognizing that just because you agree with someone about one thing doesn't mean you need to agree with them about everything. Like having that difference between us all, having I don't really like the word debate, but conversation, open conversation and seeking to understand rather than being right. That's part of the beauty of living. So I think the more we can embrace that and embrace other individuals' perspectives, and there's a really brilliant podcast I do recommend on this actually, which is Brené Brown. And she talks about dehumanization because Mm. essentially like what we do is when we become so black and white about people, like they're wrong or they're right, they're good or they're bad, they're a guru or they're they're the failed human, you know, or counsel them like when we do that we dehumanize them and when we dehumanize someone then we stop feeling compassion empathy understanding we stop treating them as a human so I think the more we can just feel into those different shades of gray and recognizing you know I really resonate with them about that but maybe not about that but I'm going to seek to understand their perspective rather than trying to prove that they're wrong the better and I think in terms of not being pedestaled I mean it's it's so hard these days, you know, cancel culture is real, but I think just always being humble, always being open to learning and always, I think coming back to what we said before, you know, sharing your vulnerable side, I will show up on my Instagram and say, I am a business mentor. I've had a really shitty week in my business. Things were too busy uh, or I didn't get a big project done that I wanted to do. My diary's too, I've overbooked my diary that's cool. I'm human. I still make mistakes. Sometimes I plan things week in advance and then the week comes up and unexpected things come up because I'm human having a human experience. Like that's okay. But I make sure to share it so that people know that yes, the overall, my business is very soulful and balanced and beautiful. And I'm in love with what I do, but there are still weeks because I'm human and that's okay. Oh, yes. And doesn't that make you, at least from my perspective, such a more trustworthy teacher and leader? I Like, you know, all of my teachers have that in common, that they are vulnerable and they share. That's why I can learn the most from them. I can't learn the most from Peter Perfect, who never falls down and doesn't have to know how to get back up. You know, like, it's interesting you brought this up because... I was literally just writing about this before we got on and it's very present. And I was like, I'm not going to bring it up because it can be a really charged topic, but you have such a beautiful balanced view that I I feel like, well, there's synchronicity. I'm going to share it. And I I really feel similarly when I was writing about is how I don't think that the issue is actually whether people get it or not. I mean, that's up for debate as well, right? Like that, okay, that there is an issue there, but there's a deeper issue that that is a symptom of. Mm -hmm. And Daniel Schmachtenberg, I hope I didn't uh, butcher his name, but he talks about this thing called game theory, which you may have heard about. And it's this idea that currently our civilization is playing game A. And if we Mm -hmm. want to survive, we have to switch to playing game B. And game A is like team versus team, person versus person, win or lose. And essentially all of our systems are set up on this fundamental intention Whenever anyone wins in this world, someone else loses because our systems are set up that way. If someone gains, there is a loss. Look at our energetic systems, our agricultural systems, our medical systems. And because of that, we have this extractive, greedy culture that incentivizes people for money. 
And so the issue now is because we have a culture that systems are based off profit over people, of course, it's not a conspiracy theory. There are going to be times when, and not always, right? There are going to be times when the government or the pharmaceutical industry do the wrong thing. And this may or may not be one of them. But what it has created from that incentive of money and profit over people is a distrust. And it's not a small faction of people. That's a problem. If we have a government and we don't trust our leaders to lead us or trust our healers to heal us, we can't just call people stupid, as you're saying, and dehumanize them, conspiracy theorists, or vice versa, call people sheep or followers or whatever. You know, and what I'm seeing is this false certainty on both sides. There's such a lack of humility happening on both sides right? I'm really straddling. I have many friends who feel extremely passionate. They are scientists, they are medical professionals. And I have many friends who are deeply spiritual human beings who have huge followings and who are, you know, deep in the, in the world of quote unquote conspiracy, let's say. And what I'm seeing on both sides is such a lack of humility because the truth is we don't know. And yes, that's fucking terrifying. We don't know what the intention is or where the virus came from or what the pharmaceutical companies are thinking or their ultimate intention. Is it a conspiracy or is it that just they're motivated by money? Or is it that this is the greatest medical invention in in our history? We also don't know if it will have long-term effects. We don't know how each individual body will react. We can't pretend to know. We don't know. And that is terrifying. And as you're saying, it requires a level of humility. And game B that Daniel Schmachtenberger talks about, or Schmachtenberg, I really hope I'm not butchering his name, (laughs) that we need to shift to is instead of a game of competition where one wins and one loses, it's a game of we change the the terms and, and intention of the game to keep as many players in the game for as long as possible. Oh, I love that. Do you know, I had literal chills listening to you then because, well, firstly, because I feel like we've spoken about abundance and scarcity so much and it felt like game A was scarcity and game B is abundance on like a wider yes. level. But yes. also, you know, it's I'm really grateful for having this conversation with you because this is the thing that's worried me the most, to be honest, is less who is wrong and who is right, but how we're treating each other on both sides. I was reading some articles the other day and I'm, I am I see myself as fairly centralist in these, in these things that are going on. And I was reading an article the other day and it was like, baseless conspiracy theorists are claiming But the same paper is saying, you know, well, there's now these neurological effects that are happening. It was such strong language. But then on the other side, you know, it sounds like I have very similar friendship groups to you. I've got people on both sides of it. On the other side, they're saying sheep, people need to wake up, like, um, you know, kind of the sheeple and, and things like this. And again, that feels quite attacking as well. And I think you're so right. I think it's we it has become you know, who is right and who is wrong. You know, we just, like you say, we just don't know. And I think the sooner we just both start treating both sides more like humans and having compassion and empathy. And, you know, I love it. I, I was, I have seen a few people have said, I have the vaccine, but if you don't, I totally understand you don't want to. And, you know, I've seen other people saying, I, I'm not choosing to have the vaccine, but if you choose to have it, then I will support, you know, it's body autonomy, it's your choice. I just think the sooner we can get back to being more compassionate, the more unified we can be in actually finding harmony, I guess, really. Yeah, and actually 
true knowledge, right? Like what is the truth? Of course, there, there are things that are relative truths. There are things that are subjective truths, absolute truths. And, and being honest about the gaps in information, you know, like on one side, if it's, if it's, if you're listening and you're totally uh, against the vaccine, it's like, that's okay. I really encourage you. If you feel inspired by this, don't try and tell people what to do. And, or if you are really for the vaccine, right? It's like, okay, gather your information. And if you feel really passionate about it, then you are tasked. You are tasked with sharing the information in a way that makes it accessible. Use your voice, get on your platform. And can you do it in a way that's humble, that acknowledges that there are aspects in which you don't know, there are gaps in the information, you're unsure. It's like, how beautiful would it be if someone said, I'm not getting the vaccine because I don't know and I'm terrified. Like Mm. I can meet you there. Or if Mm. someone says, I am getting the vaccine because I'm unsure and I'm terrified. I can meet you there. (laughs) There's empathy, you know, and people, this, it's this false certainty, which is also a virus in the human consciousness. When we believe I'm right, you're wrong. This is how it is. And then all of a sudden the scene changes and we're not so sure anymore. Yeah. And I I just worry as well, like how many bridges do we burn? (laughs) Like, you know, when all is said and done, how many bridges have we burned trying to prove which side was right? it might turn out neither side is right. You know, like you said, the truth might just be somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. We don't know. So I think we we really have to move away. And like, who fucking wins? You you know, there isn't, there isn't a situation really where anyone wins. Like, so why are we all trying to win by having the right opinion on it? Like, I, I love what you said. I think it's so beautiful. Like if we could just show up with vulnerability and honesty and say, I'm having it because I'm scared or I'm not having it because I'm terrified. Like then we can meet each other and really have compassion. Yeah. And here's the information I have. And here's what I'm basing my decision off. If you feel inspired to share or if you're telling other people what they should be doing, the, the, the least we can do is say, well, here's the information I have. Do you want it? Consent, y'all. Consent. If no one's asking for your opinion, right? If it's your page and your platform or your podcast, then feel free to share it. But <laughs> if it's someone else's life, you know, can we, one of my teachers was saying so beautifully, can we rescue namaste from the clutches of the cliche and really learn in this moment as spiritual seekers and beings to be devoted to what that really means, to salute the divinity in others and to really show up in this moment of absolute divisiveness where we don't fucking know and we may have our opinions about what's right for us and that's allowed and just salute the divinity in another being. Like, holy Jesus, to me, that's what's right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's, that's the answer. And, and this is a symptom, right? This is a symptom. What we're going through is a symptom of a bigger problem. And if you are someone who really believes in the vaccine, can you have compassion for white people? Don't. Instead of calling mm-hmm. them idiots, can you can you see and think, well, it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs that we don't trust our medical system, our pharmaceutical system and our leaders, even yeah. if, isn't it sad if this is, because I don't know, I'm like you, I'm central. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to do what's right for me, but I don't know if this is the greatest medical um, innovation in our history or if it will have long-term effects. I don't know. But if it is the greatest medical invention of our history, isn't it super sad to the people who believe that, that we have a huge amount, not a batch of conspiracy theorists, near 50%, I think, I could be getting that wrong, but a huge amount of people, at least in the USA, who do not trust their government, who do not trust, that's a problem if we are to face things like pandemics and endemics, whatever the hell is going to happen, alien invasions, I don't know, things we have to work together Mm. on and we can't get it together. 
because we don't trust each other. That's the fundamental problem. And then we're creating more of it. (laughs) I think it's really interesting as well, because I feel like this has been a recurring theme that's happening in the world as well. You know, we had the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of us had to to wake up to inherent biases or not being aware of, of not truly being a supporter. But on the flip side of that, you had a lot of, well, the, you know, the whole kind of the, the George Floyd and the, the reason kind of the protest started, obviously it, it goes back way beyond that incident in itself, was because of this, again, this divisiveness and I think we're really being called to come together and it's it's becoming more and more apparent. And I feel like this is going to keep happening until as a world, as a community, we can really not just see the lessons, but integrate them. And, you know, I think trust is such a big thing. I know my husband's like, he's like, I don't know, how do I describe him? He's more like, he's quite logical. Like he's like quite a logical person. We did actually, um, the Gretchen, uh, Ru- I think Ruben, I'm rubbish with names as well. So I always, I always mess them up. He <laughs> has this amazing quiz called the four tendencies, which like works out what kind of person you are. Um, and I can't remember what his was called, but his is like, he will follow rules, but only if he thinks they make sense. Like he has to understand why they make sense. But in general, yeah. he's quite like a logical person, but he, he was saying, you know, in terms of, of the government, the problem that he has is just how morally, how in, I can't remember what the word is like, incomprehensible, like corrupt, yes. that's the word, yes. corrupt, yes. Go with corrupt, but how morally corrupt they are. It's not even necessarily their policies, it's the lack of integrity and alignment with which they live, which yes. is really causing this in inherent distrust in us as well so again this comes back to like how can we show up in an integrity and how can we hopefully have that feed into these kind of people who are being trusted with mm-hmm. leading our, our communities yes oh my god I couldn't agree more it's literally it feels it's a moral and spiritual crisis mm-hmm. and you know it, it it shows I mean clearly we need reform in the police system like that only really came to light for many people, uh, mainly white folks who are not less necessarily directly impacted, which again brought people face to face with being a part of the problem, right? And so now that the world is awake to that, like there's a problem with our police system, there's a problem with our medical system, there's a problem with our government. And it all draws back from my perspective to that game A and game B, which is a spiritual problem. Ultimately, we are facing a spiritual crisis as a community. And so in order to rectify and people will say, well, like that's passivity, you know, and that's not the same. Acceptance and compassion free up all the psychic energy that we're holding in place to be right <laughs> so that we can actually listen and come to a solution, you know, and, and I think, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we need to reform all of our systems, our agricultural system, our en- energy system, our, you know, our food system, our waste system, our, like it needs total reform. And I also think it does really track back to, to what you do, which is soulful business that inherent in everything. If we choose, and I don't know how we could not, again, I'm biased. Everything is a spiritual path. And if everything is a spiritual path, everything has that inherent soulfulness in it. If we can access it and stop covering it over. Yeah. I'm just so, so grateful that you went there with me. We kind of went on a little uh, tangent, but Side note. <laughs> I think it was needed, though. Yeah, I'm grateful for that conversation too. I think it, 
I don't think it's being had enough at the moment. And it's amazing to be in a space where we can kind of access it from that place of love rather than, you know, sitting here and arguing why our opinion on it is right. Yeah, that that humility. I'm like, can we all just take a deep dose of namaste in the real sense, honouring our divinity and the divinity in all beings, uh, all of them, even the ones you disagree with, and a big old dose of humility that we don't know it all. Even the top scientists in the world don't know it all. You know, we just don't know. And so what would you say, I mean, speaking about inherent qualities that are important right now, divinity and humility, acceptance, (laughs) tolerance, oh my God. Uh, Are there any qualities or characteristics that you see inherent in most successful entrepreneurs and what are they? Mm, That's such a good question. I wouldn't necessarily say maybe an inherent quality, but like a maybe a approach is this removal of the fear of failure. So not having this complete fear of falling flat on their face. And it's, it's really interesting because often when we're looking at successful or soulfully, even soulfully successful people, we're often seeing them at the point of success when things are going right. There's been a certain like, you know, level of success behind them, which they can, they can move and keep, I always think of it as a snowball. So it's that kind of snowball effect. They've already built the momentum. So they already have a natural kind of momentum as they build and grow. But we, we don't think about the fact that they started from nowhere and we don't think about all the times that they failed. And I notice that the really incredibly successful people that I come across have failed and have been willing to fail as well, haven't been scared of failing and that's been okay. And, you know, even with me, like I always, um, there's a video actually I have on my Instagram that I share every now and again, and it's me going on Instagram live and I'm announcing my new group program. And I, I think it was called be, Go Forth and Be Fierce was uh, I think what I called it. And I'm announcing my program on there. No one signed up to that program ever. Like I had, I had no signups to that group program. But I think it's really important to share because you know now I have multiple group programs. That, you know we often sell out before kind of even we launch and things like this. You know it's it's amazing. But I I have failed, but I was willing to fail. I was willing to go there, and I think we just have this real again black and white view of you either fail or you win. But even when you fail, you learn so much, you grow so much that it's it's actually part of the journey. It's not a hindrance to the journey. It's it's part of it. So mm. I would say that would be a really key one, not trying to get things right all the time, not being completely caught up on whether you fail or how embarrassing that will be or what will people think, but just going mm. in like 110% and seeing what happens. Mm, my gosh, it's like the individual version of switching from game A to game B. Mm, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Everything's coming into alignment. I love yeah. that. <laughs> I'm like, that's the revolution, y'all. Let's all just focus on switching from game A to game B, which has nothing to do with being right, keeping all of us in the game as long as possible. I really, really love that. It's so, so true. And I think that um, I just was like laughing when you were sharing about the group programs. Like I have flops, you know, I totally have experienced like programs that haven't filled or workshops that one person showed up to or, you know, all of that stuff. And it, it, it strengthens you. And it also, it's feedback. If you can hack it, if you can handle it and go, okay, cool. Like people didn't want this or I didn't market it right. Or I wasn't aligned in the way that I was sharing about it, or I didn't give myself enough time. It's like, it's just information. And I think um, when we cannot make it mean that there's something inherently wrong, broken or defective about us, 
Mm. and instead that this is just information. Oh, I love that description. It's just information. It's not easy. Easier said than done for sure. And I still catch myself in, in moments of that, that, that malware in my human consciousness of if I fail or I do something wrong or I make a mistake, the part of me that wants to believe there's something wrong with me, I'm broken or defective, I get to work on and be like, no, 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 <laughs> you're okay. So I would love to move into rapid fire questions if you, if you feel aligned and inspired. Ooh, yeah, I love that. What book or books do you gift people the most? I gift the most uh, Glennon Doyle Untamed just because it's just so incredible. So incredible. I I feel like parts of me woke up reading that book that I didn't even know needed reawakening. It was magic. Mm. What's the worst piece of sex advice that you were ever given? (laughs) Oh, Oh my God, where do I begin? (laughs) I don't think it was necessarily like a piece of advice but I think I'd seen a lot of like quickies like you know in a movie or on a tv show it's like in the storeroom cupboard like super quick super fast super passionate I just don't work like that I like it like slow easing into it like there's a time and a place for kind of that passionate moment but um yeah I think just not rushing it enjoying it taking it slow so true. That's such a good one. Yeah. People with a pussy usually don't, not always. Sometimes there's time, but like you have a yin arousal network. I feel you on that. Uh, mm-hmm. So someone comes to you and they're really down. You can only give them one piece of advice. What do you say? Mm, feel it. Feel it. Mm. Let it out. Probably say dance or shake it out as well. Like mm. raise that vibration again and then move into gratitude. Think about all the things that you're grateful for. Because even on the shittest day, ever. There is always something to be grateful for. Mm, Such good advice. Me and my partner do that to each other. If We're like really in a stinker. We're like, what are you grateful for, baby? (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. I'm kidding. (laughs) And then we do 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 it. it. (laughs) And we're like, I'm grateful for, and then it actually works. So yes. (laughs) What's the most important thing for successful relationships? Oh, communication. A hundred percent. Clear communication. Yeah. I, you know, I'm so grateful. I have an amazing husband. We have an incredible relationship, but the times where it's been sticky is when we haven't communicated well to each other. And that's, yeah, that's, that's never, that's never led to a, a harmonious relationship between us. So we've got really good. We did, um, authentic relating, which is a really great kind of, um, course and training that you can go through. We actually did it. Well, we were in the same group, but we did it kind of separately. Um, but just more we can learn about taking personal responsibility for our own feelings rather than trying to blame the other. Um, it's just really, it's really helped us just over time, our mm-hmm. arguments less and less and less, really clear communication, really supportive with each other. Mm, so beautiful. And I love that self-responsibility. That's been a big theme that people have shared. If you're listening, take notes. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be? Ooh, the first one that came to mind then was a lion. Cause I kind of think I love how like ferocious they are and just like strolling along. Like, yeah. but when I think about it a little bit more, I would love to be able to fly. So maybe it would be a bird. Cause how amazing would that be? Just like soaring yeah. over and getting all that perspective and just I mean, love traveling as well so I think I'd travel to different I'd fly off to different places maybe you'd be a lion with wings 
Oh my God, I love that. That is my answer. Align with women. Of course I could have made up my own animal. Why do I think of this? I am aligned with wins. Yes, I see that for you. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? I feel like we all already have superpowers. So I keep thinking about healing or seeing people, like something that would actually help others in a really connected way. But I actually believe we already have that as superpowers. I think we're just really disconnected from it a lot of the time. So I think I would grant everyone the superpowers that they already have within them, but I would just switch them on so that we can all approach each other in a completely different way. Well, that's an amazing superpower to switch on everyone's inherent superpowers. No one has said that. That's fucking cool. Dope. That's kind of what you do with your work, right? Yeah, I like that. Switch all on. Yeah. What's your favorite thing that you own? My bunny that I've had since I was little. Cute. I'm sure What's there's some like, it's literally just called bunny. I'm sure like some therapist somewhere has something to say about the fact I still have this childhood bear. But I'm like, I'm not really like that possession driven. Like I really love having things that I love around me. So this is like my rule. Like I have to completely love it or it doesn't get to stay in my life. But I don't, you know, we've lived out of two suitcases for the last year as we've traveled around. So I'm not bar my books I love a proper actual book but bar that I'm not overly attached to my yeah literally I'm not overly attached to my possessions like my longest held possession is this bunny and he's seen me through all my ups and downs so yeah yeah sentimental I love that. Uh, you know, a therapist would have a lot to say about a lot of who I am. So, you know, I think therapists would have a lot to say about a lot of who we all are. So, you know, we can all resonate <laughs> with you on that. Um, what's something that you believe is true that you, that other people, probably not our listeners, but other people might think is crazy? That we get to create our own reality. A fucking mama. If you could eat one meal before you die, what would it be? I really emphasize the die there. Sorry, I'm like, before you die, (laughs) what would it be? I spend a weird amount of time thinking about this question. Um, I would actually have, I'd have a starter main dessert because I mean, if I'm going to die, I'm going to have a three course there. I would have really good bread and butter because like name a better combo than bread and butter. Um, I would have the spicy prawns from, it's like this little place in Taramundo in Costa Rica and they do it with homemade like tortillas. I would have a really good gluten-free pizza for me. Mm. Um, and then dessert I probably I say dessert I'd probably just have like oh no a really good creme brulee mm, I love the amount of thought food is one of my the central mm. pillars of my existence me and my partner partners are chef and works in food so I'm oh. like I feel you girl uh, yeah, I always disappoint myself with that though because like I've had some delicious meals and like I love really fresh stuff but when it comes to my last meal I'm like I want a really good pizza <laughs> you know is a common answer and bread and butter I think is the number one answer to this question so that is very really? interesting yeah people love their love bread that. they love their bread they love their butter but hopefully most of all we love each other right guys remember that anyway <laughs> last one if there was a universal answering machine and you could leave a 15 second note on it that everyone in the world was going to hear today what would you say <sighs> makes me emotional that yeah. I think just the magic is already within you and Mm. everything is unfolding completely perfectly you just have to keep trusting the journey I think there's times in my life where I really needed to hear that and Mm. and can look back and kind of gift myself those words but I would love to be able to gift that to other people who are still really in the thick of it Mm. 
Hey, fucking mama. Thank you so much, my love, for your willingness to go on this journey with me and to dive into different tangents and just all of your wisdom and your your soulfulness. I really feel that in you and I'm just so grateful for you and for being here. Thank you, my love. Thank you. I honestly can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this and how grateful I am for spending this time with you. You are just so beautiful, such amazing energy and, and such a light. So yeah, thank you. Oh, bless queen. I feel the same about you. Where can people find you if they want more of your delicious energy and want to connect with you and your work? Probably hang out on Instagram more than I should. So <laughs> um, at I am Alexandria Maria is probably the best place to get me. And yeah, like pop me a message, drop me a comment. I'm, I try and be as responsive, as responsive as I can without um, spending too much time glued to my phone. <laughs> That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for gifting me with your most precious resource, your time, attention, and your energy so that we can continue to awaken together and to elevate the level of consciousness on this planet to ensure that we are all thriving in love and sex in the way that we all so richly deserve and that is so possible for each of us. And if you want to connect with me and my work more deeply, I would love to see you over at Instagram at Angelica Alana, A-N-G-E-L-I-K-A-A-L-A-N-A, lots of A's. <laughs> and there you can find that free quiz to discover which of the goddess archetypes is most dominant in your love and sex life. You can apply for the group coaching programs, which are starting in September, book in a one-to-one session, or just see more of what I do And as always, if you have feedback, questions, and comments, that's the best place that you can share them. I'd love to hear from you. Have a beautiful week and we'll connect real soon.